Hi, welcome to Skip's Corner, where I cover Nashville's baseball history and events and introduce you to players, coaches, and other fans. A couple of things I want to talk to you about in this episode. Uh, this past week, I spent some time at the Nashville Public Library downtown on Church Street in their Metro Archives section. That used to be in across from Green Hills Mall in the old Green Hills Library, but they made room on the third floor for the Metro Archives downtown, and it's just a great thing to go down there and do some research. And I had talked to Ken Faith, who runs that, a week and a half ago when I was down there with Joe Casey's daughter, Star Herman. She and her family wanted to donate some things to Metro Archives about Joe Casey's career, memorabilia, and other things. I think the things that had to do with his involvement as police chief was going to the police department. So they had other things, scrapbooks and pictures, and even had some old programs and some letters when he played professional baseball, some North High School pictures, things like that. And it was really good. It was good to renew with Ken because I hadn't been down there in a while, and I actually told him that I've kind of been lazy in coming down because it is just really so easy to get online and try to find things. And it's Obviously not as expensive to drive to downtown Nashville. I'm 20 miles away in Mount Juliet. But shame on me because I should have done it more, and I hope to continue to do it again. But when I was there, I was asking Ken about helping me with a project on locating something in Nashville that had to do with Negro Leagues. And he said, well, send me an email. So on Monday morning, I sent him an email, and I got a note back, and I asked him if I could come down there on Wednesday, I think, around 1030. Well, something came up. And I called down and I said, can I come on Thursday? They said, that was fine. Just come right on down. It didn't matter. And when I walked in there at 10 o'clock, Kelly Serco, who works there, who's just dynamite, she handed me the document that I had been looking for. So how can you beat that? So they're just wonderful. But my time with them goes all the way back to the early, early 2000, 2002 or three, when Debbie Cox and Linda Center were working there. And Linda was a great baseball fan, and Debbie's just a wonderful historian. And if you've ever talked to either one of them, they will help you just like Kelly and Ken did. So Debbie and Linda started these conferences, kind of not a conference so much as just where they would bring people in. As they were interested in baseball, they would have these baseball conferences on a Saturday or whatever day it was. But they had people in like Jim Sapp and Butch McCord and Sidney Bunch, and then they had me and Bill Trawler, who's a, who's a terrific writer. Junie McBride, Roy Pardew, Larry Taylor, both of them played for the Nashville Vols. And it was just a wonderful roundtable discussion, kind of, I guess I want to say. So ever since then, I've gotten to know them. They had two or three of those things, and I've been fortunate to be able to be a part of that. But not not only that, I've told my wife and others a thousand times through baseball, I have met so many people, so many wonderful people that are always willing to share always willing to grab your hand and shake your hand and maybe even get an autograph or two. I don't know. I try not to take advantage of people, but Butch McCord was so good. I sat in his living room, talked to him about baseball, and he didn't want you to leave. Sidney Bunch, who had talked about not being able to go into the bathroom where the white players go when he would go when he would play for Billings, Montana, just for a short while before he went into the service and and others like that. But Today, I kind of want to get into a fellow that I really enjoyed meeting, not that I enjoyed him any more than anyone else, but Jim Zapp was such a, a presence 
uh, in his voice and his demeanor, and certainly as you do research about him, about his baseball career. He was just an amazing man. I had the good fortune. I'm a member of SABER, the Society for American Baseball Research. You can go to sabr.org and learn everything you want to learn about them. But 60 or $70 a year, I don't even know how much it is. Once again, I met so many wonderful people, men and women who do research or share in their love for metrics, SABER metrics, or in just the, the traditional histories. And one of those people that I met through that was a man named Bill Nolan. Now, Bill is lives in Boston, the Boston area, great baseball fan. I'm sure he goes to every game. And he invited me to ask me if I would be interested in participating in writing a biography on a player involved with, the book was basically about the Black Barons, the Homestead Grays, and the 1948 Negro League World Series, which we now kind of think that's the last World Series, at least the last recognized World Series, because it was the second year for Jackie Robinson to be in the major leagues. And after that, the teams just, they didn't dissolve, but they went away, they moved, they became barnstorming teams, a lot of different things like that. So in Bittersweet Goodbye, of course, I wanted to write about Jim Zapp, but I didn't. I I wrote about a man named Willie Pope. Willie Pope played for the Homestead Grays, and he was an interesting man. In fact, he he lived in the Pittsburgh area where the Homestead Grays were located, And he asked for a tryout with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I think it was 1945. And they never would give it to him. But his words about that were, I could have been the first when he's relating his story about himself compared to Jackie Robinson. Well, anyway, through that book, I've gotten to learn more and more about Jim Zapp. Bill Nolan actually wrote the biography on Jim Zapp. And he was a wonderful man. And let me just tell you a little bit about, about him Some of this comes from Bill's bio, which you can find on saber.org. You don't have to be a member to find that. You can certainly buy the book, Bittersweet Goodbye. I recommend that you do if you want to learn about that final World Series for the Negro Leagues. Jim Zapp was born April the 18th in 1924. His mother was Ardina Jordan. His father was Thomas Burt Zapp. His birth certificate lists him as James Stephen Jordan, which is unusual. But he changed his last name to Zapp just before he entered the U.S. Navy in 1942. Now, I know why he changed his name, but if you ever see me, ask me, and I'll tell you a little bit about it, but I'll save that for those who are wondering. He didn't even play baseball until he played for an all-black team in Hawaii when he was stationed at Pearl Harbor. And he played on the integrated Manana Barracks team in Hawaii. May have been the first black to play, as I uh, understand he was asked to play because he was playing so well with this All Blacks team that the manager of the Manana Barracks asked him to play uh, on their white team. So he may have been the first to integrate that particular team in Hawaii. In 1945, he played for the Navy at Staten Island with guys like Johnny Mize, Joe DiMaggio, Phil Rizzuto, and Pee Wee Reese. Now, if you'd have known Jim Zapp, his demeanor was so good and so cordial, so personable, I can't imagine that he didn't make friends with these guys. While he was there, he signed to play weekends for the Baltimore Elite Giants winter season. They had a team that they would send over over to California and play in a California league. Then he came back home, and in 1946, he played for the Nashville Cubs, which basically was a minor league club formed by Tom Wilson, who owned the Baltimore Elite Giants, who kept his home in Nashville, but he owned the Baltimore Elite Giants. Now, this is a year before 
uh, Tom Wilson passed away in May of 1947. But in 1947, he was traded to the Atlanta Black Crackers, and he played half the season. In 1948, he signed with the Birmingham Black Barons, and he played alongside Willie Mays and Bill Greeson. Now, Jim has passed away, died September the 30th, 2016. But Willie Mays and Bill Greeson off that Birmingham Black Barons team are the only two surviving members. Bill Greeson is a pastor. He lives in Birmingham, and I've met him. Really enjoyed talking to him. Had my picture made with him. This was at a Negro Southern League conference in 2017 at Rickwood Field in Birmingham. And I asked him if I could have my picture made with him, and I handed my camera to someone, my, my telephone to someone, and I got down on my knee, and Bill Greeson put his arm around my shoulder. And I've got to tell you what that reminded me of, sitting in church in the pew with my family, with my brother and my mom and my dad, and dad would do that. He would put his arm around my shoulder and kind of cup his hand over your shoulder. And that reminded me of my dad when Reverend Bill Greeson did that. Now, in the 1948 Negro American League playoffs against the Kansas City Monarchs, he had home run in game five to tie the game, and the Black Barons went on to capture the pennant. Not the World Series. It got them the pennant to go face the Homestead Grays. Now, in 1949, he played for a team called the Morocco Stars. Now, I think that's the Dell Morocco Stars, owned by Teddy Acklin. Uncle Teddy, they called him. Teddy Acklin owned a club called the Dell Morocco Club. And he had a baseball team called the Morocco Stars, or and sometimes it's called the Dell Morocco Stars. And I actually believe the 1949 Morocco Stars were the earliest part of the Nashville Stars that played supposedly in the Negro Southern League in 1950 and 51. Well, in 1950, he played for the Nashville Stars for one half season, according to his biography by Bill Nolan. And I know that when John Lohr came to Nashville to investigate whether Nashville could become a Major League Baseball city, he met a man named Dale Roble, and Dale had a baseball that was signed by Jim Zapp, and it had his name, and it said 1950 Nashville Stars. So that kind of seals that that's exactly who he was playing for. He felt like he was playing for at that time. But the Baltimore Elite Giants had been purchased by Sue Bridgeforth, who also had his own team. He had a club called the New Era Club, and his ball team was called the New Era Giants. And in 1950, he bought the Baltimore Elite Giants. He brought them to Nashville, where I think they played as a barnstorming team. I'm not sure they ever played in Baltimore again. But there were some teams that played here. Henry Kimbrough became a manager at one time. Sidney Bunch ended up playing for him a little later. And I think their home was in Sulphurdale. But nonetheless, Baltimore Elite Giants, 1950 and 51, Jim Zapp said he played for that team. Now, 1951, Butch McCord was signed to play organized ball. And he went to Paris, Illinois, to play for the Lakers. And the next season in 1952, Jim Zapp joined him there. And Zapp had 20 home runs. Now, get this, 136 RBI. Now, what does that tell you about his power? Now, Zapp was six foot three and weighed 232 pounds in his playing days. And he was he was just an awesome presence. And I've heard Butch McCord say Zapp has hit the longest balls, the hardest balls he's ever seen a player hit. Now, in 1953, Zapp moved to the Danville Dans and played for the Lincoln Chiefs. And his father, Bert Zapp, died on January the 29th, 1953. But in 1954, 1955, he moved to Big Spring 
played for the Bronx. In 1955, he played for the Port Arthur Seahawks and ended his career. Now, I don't know if it was because his father died or, or, or whether he got burnt out on baseball, but I heard him say he didn't have his mind straight and he kind of walked away from the game when possibly he could have been a more of a major league opportunist and been able to go to the major leagues. But here's a quote on the Metro Archives, one of those conferences that was called Grand Slam. And this is October in 2006, when he said, the highlight of my career was in 1948, when I was playing with the Birmingham Black Barons against the Kansas City Monarchs. It was in the third game of the playoffs. I hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth to win the game. Now, he can remember that. Now, I want to say one other thing. I've always talked about the National Baseball Old Timers Association, which began in 1938. We have a banquet every year. And a few years ago, before he died, I asked Jim if he'd like to come to our Old Timers banquet. And he said, I would love to. I don't know why he never became a member like Butch McCord did. I don't know if there's any controversy there. I, I doubt it. But uh, Zap never became a member. He should have, my my estimation, he should have. But Zap said, yeah, would you come pick me up? And I said, sure. So it was raining cats and dogs. Now, I liked to never found his home off of Trinity Lane and Young's Lane, but I did. And Miss Muffy, his wife, who was had been married to Ted Acklin at one time, and he said, come on in here. So I came in the house, and Miss, Miss Muffy got ready, and I was a little bit late. And I, I know they were already tired, but we were talking about something, and he said, you know, Willie May, I just talked to Willie Mays today. And I said, what? He said, yeah, he and I are, are really good friends. I just talked to him. He said, his Cadillac is out in the garage. <laughs> you want to go see it? And I said, yeah. So he flipped the garage lights on, and there it was in the garage. And we, I didn't get in it or anything. I mean, we were trying to get back to the banquet. In fact, I was afraid we were going to be late. But they were so gracious to let me see that. Now, I want to jump ahead. Big Zap died in 2016. And I miss him in a way that I can miss him. I, I wasn't terribly close to him. It's just, he was just a nice man. He was just so nice. And Miss Muffy was just elegant and just as sweet as she could be. But as part of this book, The Bittersweet Goodbye, and I did not get a chance to write about Jim Zapp because Bill had decided that was what he wanted to do. That was totally fine. He did a wonderful job with it. But Jim Zapp Jr. sent me a letter, May the 23rd, it's dated, 2017. And it says, Dear Skip, I hope this letter finds you in good health and spirits. I truly apologize for only now taking time to send you this letter from Willie Mays. Needless to say, there's not excuse. I'm continuing to close my dad's estate, and hopefully it will all end in June. I appreciate you attending the short service we had in Nashville, and for all the kind words you said about my dad. I stopped Jim Jr. after the service, when his dad's service was here. They had a memorial service here after having one in Texas, before Big Zap was buried in the Nashville National Cemetery because he was a veteran. He said, if possible, when you have time, please send me any stories you have about my dad. We're going to have a gathering at his gravesite in Nashville on the date of his death to celebrate his life and tell stories about his life. We may or not welcome other people to join in. That's yet to be decided. Again, thanks for everything and hope to hear from you. James S. Zapp Jr. is a sergeant major retired in the U.S. Army Airborne. Now, I did not go to that. There were some in town, but I, I did not go to that. But I want to read this letter to you from a great baseball player, one of the greatest, possibly the greatest baseball player of all time, certainly one of the great ones, and he's, he'll never be forgotten for the 1954 World Series catch that he made at deep center field at the Polo Grounds. But this is a letter, not, it's a personal letter, but I just kind of want to read this to you because it's, it's very special. 
There's a famous photo, it says, of Birmingham Black Barons team of 1948. Somebody got a shot of us in the tiny clubhouse after the game. There we are, all grinning like kids on Christmas morning. We look so young. Someone described that photo to me by saying, you guys exuded exhilaration and exhaustion. Amidst those impossibly thin, goofily thrilled, worn-out victors is Jim Zapp. You can see him standing with us guys crowded around him after that 1948 championship game that secured the Birmingham Black Barons' entry into that year's Negro League World Series. He's grinning, too, almost sheepishly, as teammates rub his head and cheer his game-winning, championship-clinching home run. He seems to be enduring the adulation as much as enjoying it. Not for him was the big show. That's just how he was. He didn't ask for much. He just quietly went about the business of doing his job. It's almost easy to forget about somebody like that. You depend on them so much that they become part of the background, the landscape, the things you just know are there, but don't really think about. Sort of like a foundation or even a rule book. Baseball has a lot of rules. You start picking them up when you're a kid. Three bases, one home plate, three strikes, three outs, nine innings. Later, you start getting the tougher stuff. Ground rule doubles, balks, how and when to deke a guy. After a while, all those rules just sink in. They become your unseen guide, the language you use. You stop thinking about them. You just live baseball. All those rules are written down if you want to look them up, but you don't ever need to. You just know. That's how Jim Zapp was for me. I call him Zapp, so I mean no disrespect. He called me Buck. We all had names. Piper Davis was our manager on the Barons. His real name wasn't Piper, but that's what we called him anyway. Zapp wasn't going to give a motivational speech before a game. He wasn't going to ask a lot of fool questions. He wasn't going to complain about the batting order, but he was going to be the guy you counted on. He was going to play, and he was going to hit, and he was going to score. He was a ball player's ball player, and he was my friend. Now, Mays goes on to say, I remember when I first started with the Birmingham Black Barons, I was still in school, and my dad wouldn't let me quit to play ball. So I could only play on the weekends until school let out at the end of May. Many times the team bus would stop and pick me up along our old country dirt road as I walked toward the bus stop. One time they passed me by. I ran like hell and hollered, hey, it's me, stop, it's me, Willie. After watching me run, panicked that I'd be left behind, the bus finally stopped so I could board. They were all laughing. They'd done it on purpose. Boy, did Zap roar at that one. You see, all the other guys were older than I was. They liked to tease me. Zap always watched out for me, though. He was like a big brother. I had to go to bed on time, and I couldn't pick up any bad habits like drinking or smoking. I have a lot to be grateful for, and the biggest thanks goes to Zap and the guys who gave me my start. So like I said, Zap was always there. He watched over me. He taught me. He always came when I needed him. Even about 10 years ago, when I had a job that demanded that I travel through the South, Zap would meet up with me and come along. We went from Birmingham to Nashville to Atlanta, all kinds of places. He even came to visit me in Arizona at spring training one year. He brought some of his family, and there's no denying a Zap child. 
They are tall and broad-shouldered and strong, just like their dad. One time, Zap joined me in L.A. at a dinner to raise funds for a baseball scouts organization. On that trip, we had five Birmingham Black Baron players together again. Artie Wilson, Sammy C., Reverend William Greason, Zap, and me. That's the last time we five were all together. And then, several years later, Zap flew with his wife, Muffy, to my 80th birthday party in San Francisco. He was part of the on-field ceremony with me and Greason. What a day that was. So you see, like the Grand Canyon, the Empire State Building, the Mississippi River, the Rio Grande, or Rickwood Field, Jim Zapp, for me, was dependently, firmly, always, always there. If you took a look, you saw grandeur, nobility, a formidable athlete. If you took the time to get to know him, you found a man of conviction, strength, humor, and heart. I couldn't have asked for a better friend. I can't believe it's time to say goodbye. Zapp, so long, old pal. Your friend, Willie Mays. Well, I hope you enjoyed that segment of Skip's Corner as we celebrate Black History Month. We have a few more days left, but I'll tell you, it's a real pleasure to be able to talk about people like Willie Mays and, and Butch McCord and, of course, Jim Zapp. What a testament Willie Mays did for Jim Zapp's career. I hope you come again soon. I hope you enjoy this episode, and I hope you enjoy Skip's Corner. Be sure to write me if you'd like to know more about a certain subject at 262downright at gmail.com. Hope you'll come again.